Please be advised that some of the audio that you will hear during this series may be uncomfortable and triggering. What is it about cults that spark our fascination? I've watched about every cult-based documentary, series, and movies you can think of from Holy Hell to Wild Wild Country to Deadly Cults. For me, I think it's the human behavior aspect that pulls me towards learning more about how people become involved in cults throughout the ages. In the last few years, I interviewed a few people who grew up in cults or who had the experience of having a family member in a cult. I found the discussions to be riveting and significant. My takeaway was that people often become entrenched in cults because people are often seeking meaning and purpose in their lives. That in itself is a very human quality and can be so powerful beautiful, and quite frankly, wonderful. However, it becomes evil and in some cases deadly when charismatic individuals ascend to positions of power and isolate and control others who are desperate to make sense of their existence and how to live in that existence. All cults operate a similar playbook, and in the majority of instances, no one goes into a community, in quotation marks, thinking they are getting into a cult. However, our human condition and strong pull to be part of something often blinds us to the information that on the outside seems completely and obviously insane. Cults dismantle the frontal cortex. They shut down or override the rational decision-making portion of an individual's brain so that they no longer view extreme behaviors as extreme anymore. It explains why people think that reptilian-shaped shifting entities are invading humans or why someone would think that people are eating babies in Washington, D.C., or that a spaceship is coming along to take people to another dimension, or any other batshit crazy idea that has been or will be out there. So several months ago, I decided that I wanted to take an even deeper dive into the world of cults to present another view of how insidious and harmful cults can and are for humans. I wanted to see how cults affected the lives of our most vulnerable people, children. I wanted to get a firsthand account of current adults who were born into a cult and understand how it affected their childhood and subsequently how it has influenced their current lives as adults. This is the story of Olivia, Serena, and Heather. All three women grew up in the Family International, which was originally called the Children of God, which was founded by David Berg. In this audio docu-series, you will learn about the beginnings of the Children of God, its cult leader, and how growing up in a cult has shaped these women's lives. This is their story, and I'm grateful that they have allowed me to put it together for you to listen to. I'll tell you who I am as to whether or not you believe who I am or not is up to you. When you call Jesus, really you have called me. I'm a convict. I'm an outlaw. I'm a rebel. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. In the shadows of cult leaders, it's not uncommon to find children. Dozens have been housed at the Koresh compound in Texas. The cults generally want the members to be working a lot. They want them to be slaving away and, and doing all kinds of things. So, so kids get in the way. So cults will tend to shove kids in the background. They're, they're an inconvenience. Of all the cult leaders, it would be hard to find a bigger egomaniac than David Berg. His cult, the Children of God, which he founded in 1968, 
ended up mirroring his own worst narcissistic characteristics. Some examples of David Berg's um, narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, he certainly had grandiose feelings. I mean, he felt that he was called by God as God's end-time prophet. Uh, he was predicting the end of the world numerous times. He was certainly obsessed with fantasies of unlimited success and fame. For those born into Berg's cult, they had no choice but to follow his idealism. David Berg often said that he, he was the only one with the wisdom. He was the only one who could interpret biblical prophecy. He was the last prophet of the end. Chapter 1. How it all began. My conversation with Olivia was the beginning or the entry point into understanding more about the children of God. Olivia had a lot to talk about, and I was grateful to sit down with her and to just listen to all of her incredible experiences that were really life-changing and have affected her throughout her life. And as we dive deeper into this series and we go over those things, it's really important to understand that this is a journey of healing and of hope. But in order to get to those places, we have to talk about the difficult things. So we start with the beginning and Olivia's understanding of what she was born into. So the Children of God was an international religious sex cult. It started in 1969 in Huntington Beach, California, with David Brantberg and his children. He had three teenage kids at the time. So his background is that he grew up with an evangelical minister for a mother. So very religious. They would travel a lot and evangelize. And so he grew up in the, the church world and grew up knowing that he wanted to serve God and be a missionary. So he was married. He had three kids. He told the church that he was involved with in California that he wanted to be a missionary and he wanted to go to another country to preach the gospel. And they told him that he was too old, that he had too many kids, that it wasn't going to be possible. And at that point, he was kind of at a breaking point. He was at his 40 in his 40s and he had seen a lot of hypocrisy and self-righteousness in the church and a lot of things not matching up with the spirit of Christianity and the way that these people were living their lives. So he threw in the towel and was like, I'm going to start my own thing. Meanwhile, in 1969, there's hippies strewn out all across the beach, college dropouts, high school dropouts. People are experimenting with psychedelics and drugs and sort of lost and wandering and the way that the story was told. So he brought his teens who all knew how to play guitar and sing. And they went walking down the beach and started playing their, their music with the message of love and Jesus. And started asking people if they wanted to pray with them to receive Jesus into their hearts. And I guess they must have seen something different that they hadn't ever seen before. Something that was different from what they knew Jesus to be in the churches. So they wanted to know more. So David Brantberg, he got this uh, abandoned nightclub that he had permission to use at night and they would come and they would hear him preach. And he was preaching all about freedom and the true message of Christianity and Jesus that he 
was a sinner himself and would walk with the harlots and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. And he was just like them. And all he wanted to do was show love to people. So it was inspiring these hippies and they wanted to also do that. They wanted to make a difference in other people's lives and tell people about Jesus. So they wanted to follow him and he didn't know what to do with so many of these people. And so he got this huge ranch outside of um, close to Huntington Beach, California. And he started the first commune. So he had all of these hippies living there and they would sing in mornings and in the evenings. And then they'd go out and tell people about Jesus and get people to join them and follow them. And the numbers grew so quickly and so drastically that he just decided to start sending them out across the countries to start their own little autonomous intentional communities. And then he started sending them all over the world. So it was growing so fast and by the thousands. And meanwhile, he's like setting up the whole structure for how everything is going to run. And it was very much by trial and error. So in the beginning, he's like, okay, well, we're going to have to, you know, follow the the teachings of the Bible that I know, which is no sex before marriage, uh, no drugs, no alcohol. So you had all these like people living together, all these like super horny young people, and they're just getting married as quick as possible so they can start having sex and procreating. So uh, you have all these couples that were just like dropping out, getting married. Um, so that was happening for a while. And then they were getting converts, you know, in every country that they were in, people were joining by the thousands. And then as they're progressing, you know, and he's like, he would communicate to all of his members through what was called Mo letters. So his prophet name was Moses David. So they, he would uh, refer to himself as Mo. And he would depict himself as a lion. So he would draw himself as this with a lion head over a human body. And he would write these Mo letters and they were very, very scandalous at the time. Uh, they There would be like a woman in front of a church burning her bra and the title is, come on, Ma, burn your bra. And there'd be pe people in the background of the church like wagging their finger. Uh, so very controversial and um and exciting too for the members because they were part of this like radical movement, uh, part of being able to be a Christian, but also be free, which is something that a lot of people didn't know anything about. And he would receive these like revelations through dreams and through just direct, I guess, downloads. And he had this one revelation which started the movement of the law of love where he came upon this verse that said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what he realized that under those two commandments, everything else falls into place under that. So when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments, and he replaced it with these two commandments, which is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're doing those two things, you're not going to hurt someone. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to cheat on them. So if you're practicing under these commandments in, in, in its entirety, then it's okay to have sex before marriage. 
So that opened up the group to sexual freedom. Heather's story is also fascinating. And Heather had a bit of a different experience with being in the children of God. Her understanding of it is certainly that it is a cult, but she also had aspects of it that were not terribly bad for her. As we dive deep into her story over the coming episodes, we first have to go back and get her understanding as well of what is this cult that has been around for such a long time. In my words and my experience, the children of God were a missionary group cult um, that my parents joined in, I guess, early 80s. Um, I was born in 85 and um, for kind of their story, I don't want to speak for them too much, but they were on a path of being more spiritually religious based. Um, my mom grew up as a preacher's daughter. My dad was on a very, um, and still to this day is on a called path um, as God's prophet, servant, whatever. Um, so they were searching for something and they met the family and just kind of all in right away. And it provided them, um, I think, a life that they were searching for of something different out of the norm. Um, and I was, and in all that, um, so I'm a Jesus baby. I was born, I'm not my I guess I'm a half sibling to my um, seven other siblings because of the whole FFing thing that was going on at that time, all of that. I am a product of that. Um, so I was born in China. And then like earliest memories are just traveling and being around a lot of people. And honestly, like I don't really have any terrible memories from being in the family. I really don't. Um, other than it, like looking back at it now, having kids and being an adult and, you know, going, okay, there's a lot of like, a lot of stuff that was really, really weird, really fishy, really just like not the norm and beyond. Um, but I was, um, I think protected more because of who my parents were in the family. And so we kind of, granted my sister's story would be very different. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was um, the people that I were around, what I remember from it is the unity part of it, the teamwork, the, and that's the good side uh, was, you know, making everything work and doing it in a sacrificing service way. And then having, always having, like, I always loved having, being around a bunch of people, like being around lots of people and lots of activity. Um, it was really, honestly, like my childhood was like the good part. That part of the family was the good part of my childhood. Um, after they left, uh, it was really hard for my parents to transition to a secular um, role 
and huge loss of identity and all of that. And then raising, you know, a ton of kids, not really having any grasp of how to do that um, was a huge thing. So that's when childhood for me went like totally downhill. That was obviously Moses David was, you know, the evangelist son, very protected. Um, I don't, I mean, he was always like put on a pedestal, of course, of, you know, like this is coming from, he might as well have been God. Um, I think that's how a lot of people viewed what he said um, and the things that he came up with. I have a, the perspective I have on it now is from an adult lens. Um, as a kid, completely unaware of all of that. Um, I do have, I will say, I do have gigantic blocks in my memory that, um, that I just don't remember for whatever reason. Um, and I'm still kind of working through that. But I just, it just, you know, it was um, idolized. Um, you know, absolutely. It was, it was his, his way or nothing. There was no, and that trickled, that definitely trickled down from him and his team to the leaders of each individual home, I think as well. Um, and it was a lot of power trip stuff going on. I do remember that. I do remember like the big deal about leadership or certain people coming. My parents were part of that. Like they were, you know, everybody had to be on best behavior because, you know, they were making an appearance and it was very, um, a lot of God complexes for sure. Um, and not in a good way. It was um, a lot of, from people I know and, you know, hearing the others, like the regurgitated experience as an adult and even, you know, a teen and preteen um, is just like, oh my God, like that's horrifying to make people feel like that. Um, belittling and separating. There was a lot of division, a lot of, um, I would say, separation of based on physical attributes was a huge thing in the family. Um, if you were pretty, if you had outside beauty, you were more spiritual. Um, that was a huge thing I do remember and caused so much hurt for a lot of people. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was definitely not biblical going on. Um, and I don't remember ever like firsthand seeing that kind of stuff other than like the ridiculous discipline practices, um, spankings, physical stuff like that going on. I do remember that. Um, I was kind of the quiet not kind of the quiet, I was the very quiet, stayed out of the way. Um, I was sick a lot, so I kind of was coddled more than most, um, so I wasn't really ever in trouble. But I witnessed a lot of, um, a lot of kids, you know, I mean, it's straight up abuse for things that it's just, yeah, you're being a kid. Um, and that was, that was a power trip for sure. I would say the power trip thing, that was like the, the, the biggest one for me that was stood out. Serena's story is perhaps the most heartbreaking and gut-wrenching 
of all three stories. Serena's life was directly impacted by the cult leader and born into the home of a really difficult situation. Again, this is a story of overcoming difficult circumstances of hope and healing, but we have to go back. We have to get Serena's story of what it was like growing up in that environment, but her understanding of what the children of God was and is based off of her point of view. Children of God was, is a religious group which started on very, very sincere means from the leader. It was a very pious Christian group, beliefs um, in the Bible. And in the beginning, it was really just to welcome other people who, are, who were kind of rejects and black sheeps of their own family into a community. And it was very, um, they had very strict rules. There was two by two, men slept in one room, women slept in the other. And it was very much about peace, love, Jesus, very, very much built in the hippie um, era as it was in, this, in the late 60s. So it started off that way, but as it grew exponentially, David Berg, who, you know, we can talk about all of his childhood trauma, but he began to realize that he could use the group um, for power and for more control. And he started slowly adding in things into the, into the religious constructs that were biblical, um, but they began following the, the Bible very directly. So it became extremely extreme religion based on the Bible to, to, to where it got past eating brown rice and, and fish with no scales and things that they talk about in the Old Testament to children that are 12 or adult are adults. And they can have they can have children. They can be married just like in the Bible. So we should be doing the same thing. So by the time this, this was implemented in the, in the late sixties, it was very much peace and love and hugging. And um, you want to get to know someone and bring them in. And it was collecting lost souls for Christ, as he said it. And then as it got into the seventies, it became, okay, well now we're in this huge group. We need money. How are we going to make money? So then the cult factors started coming in. There's a Supreme leader. Now we need labor because we need money. So how are we going to get that money? So it started with the religious prostitution, which was flirty fishing. And then from there, they started having more children. The first generation was born in the 70s. Then me in the 80s with the second generation was born. So those children started becoming used as tools. So as the children of God grew, it became an extreme religious cult. As I said, this is just the beginning. There's so much more to tell of this story. And Olivia, Serena, and Heather are gonna provide some really hard-hitting stories about growing up in the children of God. Next episode, we dive into what it's like to live on a daily basis and grow up in this cult. Stay tuned.